The actual, you know, agricultural resources of the Liverpool Plains are magnificent. I would have to say it is one of the most blessed agricultural areas I have ever seen. All that is undone at one stroke of a pen by a minister that says, oh, let's put a gas field here. It's the fear of the unknown and no matter how many studies they do on it, they can't guarantee that if it leaks, that it will not destroy. We feel like we're fighting it on behalf of everyone. Pretty much the whole of Australia loses out if the the soil and that, you know, things are carried on here that shouldn't be because there's certain areas that shouldn't be mucked with. Just about everything we do at Dirty Linen and across the whole Deep in the Weeds food podcast network rests on farming. Without productive farmers, we don't have restaurants. We don't have those resonant, connected stories of cuisine and culture that we love so much and that we know you appreciate too. And fundamentally, without farmers, we don't eat. It's basic. We also know that we need to cease coal and gas mining because of the emissions they create. The science is unequivocal. The catastrophic climate risks are too great. The move to net zero makes allowances for legacy mining, but it's clear that any new coal or gas extraction tips into dangerous territory. Given all this, we're keeping a close eye on the Liverpool Plains and the gas mining exploration licences held by energy giant Santos. Join us all week as we talk to people in the region who are likely to be impacted by any mining activities and are mobilising against them. It's an interesting coalition of farmers, bakers, townspeople, traditional owners, and long-time journalists and community members. What becomes clear in these conversations is that this is a local fight with broader implications. If you eat, if you live on earth, this fight matters. By the way, we've reached out to Santos for comment. We look forward to a response. To the wider community, when they find out the proposed projects and the, the possible scale of destruction, they just are bewildered. Why? Why would you allow something like this to go ahead? Pitt Murray is a farmer and writer from Gunnedah in northeastern New South Wales. She's deeply connected to her community in the Liverpool Plains, which is considered one of the most fertile agricultural areas in the world. Pip is an advocate for the environment, wildlife and long-term thinking. She's fiercely opposed to mining and fracking in her region. Pip, thank you so much for taking the time to have a chat to us today. Lovely to talk to you. Pip, tell us a little bit about yourself and the wide range of activities that are part of your life. Oh, well, um, I live west of Gunnedah, about 20 k's, and I'm probably about 10 or less than 10 k's from the um, Kalua gas field where there are four pilot wells that have been put down that are owned by Santos or one of its subsidiaries. Uh, I suppose I've known of this for some time and I know about the effects of uh, coal seam gas exploration and our number one concern is water. Water doesn't rush under us on our part of the Liverpool Plains like it does in some other areas. And so it's of primary importance. And I guess without our water, we can give the whole farming game away. If we haven't got water to... um, for our livestock we're not we have there's not enough water underneath us for irrigation but even without that basic amount of water it's uh you know a fairly what would you say uh 
fruitless exercise. Well, tell us about yourself, Pip, and your backstory in, in the region. Okay. Well, I grew up on the Liverpool Plains. My family lived near Crindai, but uh, I... Uh, went to university and worked in different places around the world in journalism and I married and came back to live outside Canada. So there you are. So I have continued writing um, but you'd have to say I'm mostly retired now but I'm still using that experience and those skills I guess in doing what we're doing now within the Liverpool Plains Action Group. Um yeah, and I'm involved in a wide range of activities in the community. So that's about my story. <laughs> Tell us about some of those activities. Just let's let's get a sense of this community that you're part of. Uh, well, um, I chair the Dorothea uh, McKellar Society, which runs a, a national poetry competition for all school-aged children. That's, so that's across Australia. And we're based in Gunnedah. It's been going for nearly 40 years. We get up to 10,000 entries from kids all over the country. Uh, that's quite a lot of administration. Um, we're a volunteer committee and we employ a part-time project officer. We get some federal government funding and a few smaller sponsors. Uh, we were recently involved in a uh, campaign, in a major lobbying effort, to get the former McKellar family home called Currumbede, which is uh, outside Gunnada, placed on the State Heritage Register. This hadn't been listed before, but our concern grew out of the fact that the Currumbede homestead, or indeed the whole Currumbede property, is now to be part of the Vickery Coal Mine, uh, which is going to be run by Whitehaven Coal. So... Against the odds, we were successful in gaining state heritage uh, listing, and we're quite proud of that. And we were, although it's still stranded in the middle of a coal mine, we feel like well, it was just a, one small step to to and a nod towards our past and our our literary and cultural heritage, which is so important. And oh, I'm involved in lots of other things. Um, we have a local branch of the CWA in our village at Emerald Hill, west of Gunnedah, and I'm, I'm, we do lots of work there. I mean, we volunteer down at the Royal Easter Show. We run lots of fundraising and have lots of events that bring the community together. Um, I'm involved, as you know, in the Liverpool Plains Action Group, um, lots of things. Um, uh, the arts in Gunnedah have always been a big supporter of, oh, I don't know, just lots of bits and pieces. <laughs> Pip, you've, you know, travelled all around the world, as you say, and, you know, seen a lot. I mean, how would you describe Gunnedah and the region? Well, I think that, yes, I have seen a lot of the world and I've, I'm very lucky and count myself fortunate to have done that. I would have to say it is one of the most blessed agricultural areas I have ever seen, to be honest, um, to be able to produce the, the quantities um, that it does with a very safe annual rainfall and to have such rich um, and diverse soils, you know, it accommodates grazing as, as well as um, broad acre farming and small acre farming. There's very few places that would compare with that and to have its vast underground water reserves, which I might add should be used um, measuredly 
because we know that everything is a finite resource. And what about, you know, mining and, uh, you know, resource use in the area? What's the history of that in the Liverpool Plains? Well, there's always been a small amount of coal mining around Gunnada and um, in Werris Creek. And, of course, as we know, there's the that coal mining has expanded substantially in both places, although at Whitehaven's operation at Werris Creek, the coal mining is winding up. Um, that's about been the extent of I think there was some um, preliminary gas exploration of 30 years ago in areas in the Liverpool Plains because I distinctly remember coming home and asking my father one day what Dad, and they had um, in their in their very um, rudimentary way, they had uh, tin lids with streamers coming out of them and, and the exploration people had tied them onto the fences where they thought there was gas. And I asked my father what they were. He said, oh, some gas people came. <laughs> I went, I know, when you think about that, how long ago that was, and now they're back and they mean business. What about, I mean, we've talked about farming and the richness of, it, of the agriculture um, there, but what about wildlife and other, you know, other parts of the environment? Well, something that is very dear to me, I am so fortunate or I have been fortunate to live on a property where there is uh, – a diversity of wildlife. We have a very healthy koala population, or we did have until the drought. We haven't seen too many since. Whether we put that down to yeah, drought as in climate change, you know, severe extremes, um, and chlamydia, which has been another big killer of um, koalas in our area. But we would always be able to walk outside or any visitors who came, yeah, come up to and see our koalas. I don't think – I think I've seen one in the last six months. And that to me – and I've planted koala tree corridors uh, in trying to encourage them. It's not f- uh, fatalities through dogs or road accidents like happens in a lot of places. It is just the climate. Mm. I mean, in a, a time of cli- a changing climate and, you know, some of the extremes that you talk about, how does it sit with you that there is continual fossil fuel exploration in the area? Well, when you say how does it sit with me, it, it, I, could, I could actually get myself quite depressed, but I'm, not, I'm determined not to because we're not going to let it happen. Uh, you know, it's such a... It's such a rich area. You, it cannot be sacrificed to a short-term gain, as in the fossil fuel industries. Um, agriculture is so sustainable and it will keep on going for another 100, 200, 300 years at least. Where mining, I mean, they're there to sort of, you know, dig it up or drill it and they'll be gone within 30 years. How does that make sense? Yeah, well, absolutely. And, I mean, what have you seen from from what's already taken place? What sort of impacts has that had? I think people, by and large, around where I live, near Gunnada, are blissfully unaware of the coal seam gas plans that uh, we now know about. We show people pictures of, say, for instance, the checkerboard that is the chinchilla gas fields, which shows all the wells and connecting pipelines and roads and, you know, the drill pads. It's just 
scarred, totally scarred. It's an aerial. And then you do a beautiful aerial underneath photo of the Liverpool planes and their mouth literally drops open. I said, this is what we're looking at. Why would you sacrifice our prime agricultural land for, for that? And I think people are genuinely surprised. I mean, how does something like this happen? Like what's been the process where um, people, you know, companies have come in um, and and done this? Well, we've had, uh, you know, a conga line of politicians through the place in the last 15 years since um, first coal mining was suggested. Uh, we had John Barilaro as recent, who was the New South Wales um National Party leader and Deputy Premier declaring at Breezer on the Liverpool Plains that there would be no more mining on the Liverpool Plains. And we take that to mean coal seam gas as well. And shortly thereafter, of course, he had exited the uh, political stage and um, and it was announced that um, most of the petroleum export uh, uh, petroleum exploration licences, otherwise known as PELs, were being abolished with the exception of just a clutch that would facilitate Santos's exploration both in the Pilliga and on the Liverpool Plains. We were just dumbfounded. So you'd have to say, how has it happened? I think there's been gross deception of the farming community, not just on that score. We've had other statements. We have, for instance, the current New South Wales Minister for Environment, Penny Sharp, who visited um, the Pilliga, Canamble, the Liverpool Plains, and is on record as saying we are opposed to the Narrabri gas project and we want to see the Liverpool Plains preserved. Well, they are now saying, oh, um, sorry, uh, you know, it, you've um, had approval from the IPC, so the Independent Planning Commission, um, it's in their hands. Well, what a cop-out. What a cop-out. I think farmers just have every reason to feel betrayed. I certainly feel betrayed. And what what do you fear the damage will be from this um, fracking on this valuable agricultural land? Oh, well, where do we start? Um for instance, I might add too that one of the lies that accompanies all this, that gas is a transition fuel and somehow we need the gas that's under the Liverpool Plains. We do not need the gas under the Liverpool Plains. Only Santos needs it to justify the economics of its Narrabri project. So, you know, that's why they are so anxious to add more gas to what they see, of, you know, put in their pipeline, which they propose to go from Narrabri to Sydney, the Hunter Gas Pipeline. Um, the effects, right. Okay, in the gas well near me, the Kalua gas, the gas field um, west of Gunnedah, they uh, have no pipeline, nothing, but they have permission now to, to open up the wells again and start producing, you know, continue their exploration as such. So, that gas will be brought up from underneath. They're going down through the aquifer to the coal seam and releasing the gas. It doesn't need to be fracked, but that doesn't matter because when that water that, that they have to bring up to, to dewater the coal seam to, to capture the gas comes to the surface, it contains so many chemicals anyway 
you know, it would probably have at least a dozen chemicals contained in that water. It is not potable, even though they say they can treat it and it's it's um, drink, uh, drinkable by stock. Um, that's not right. And they're going to hold that in tanks there and there is no um, plan for disposal of wastewater. It is going to be trucked, they say. A distance, I would imagine, would be about 150 kilometres out to another storage area within the Pilliga Forest. Now, that's on the main roads, these tankers of water going up to Narrabri and going out of town again. Does that make sense? I don't think so. And also, this gas that they are going to be um, extracting is going to be burned off to start with until there is any pipeline. I'm just going to be flared in the sky. I mean, what a waste. Why are we doing it? I mean, it's just we don't need that energy. We have an ex uh, an excess of gas on the East Coast. It's just that it's all being exported. 72% of gas produced in Eastern Australia goes offshore. What are the forces behind this pit? Because it does sound like an absolute nonsense, especially with a new, a new government coming in that sounds, you know, opposed to it, but then is somehow caught up in it. Um, yeah, like how does this happen? Yeah, very, very much caught up in it because, you know, there are big, there's big money at stake. I mean, you've got to ask about the influence of Santos on government and of coal companies, I might add, for that matter too. Um, and let's look at their political donations. I mean, it's pretty easy to follow that trail, the one, the, the trail that we can see. Um why, why, we ask ourselves the same question, are all our governments, both state and federal, enthralled to these fossil fuel companies? You have to ask. We, I mean, the Australians are not benefiting from this. The major shareholders, for instance, in Whitehaven Coal and Santos are not Australians. So that any money that they make is going offshore. It's certainly not Australians getting rich through this experience. So why are we why are we allowing our prime assets to be raped and pillaged? It it just doesn't make any sense. What does your community stand to lose from this? Well, it's not just our community, it's it's our nation really and and our state. I mean, the Liverpool Plains it, it produces a, at least a third of the state's agricultural produce. Even though it's it's a relatively small area, it is so rich and so productive. Um, so I would think that um, production would be severely depleted. I think lifestyle-wise, you know, um, you're going to see farmers leaving if there if there are water shortages. How are they going to cope? Um, not only that, with the with um, the opening up of gas wells, I've been to southern Queensland and seen myself around Chinchilla uh, and Miles and that area. The infrastructure that accompanies these um, projects, you have roads, you have pipelines, you have power lines. Um, and the other thing I think that they're now discovering as these coal seam gas wells are going into the Darling Downs is the land subsidence because when that water is pumped out, of course, the soil structure collapses and you can't, far you can't farm these areas 
where there's been the land subsidence. It's just a bog. So you think we will lose farmers and, and therefore production? Oh, mate, undoubtedly, undoubtedly. I mean, it must be – it must take a toll, Pip, for you to consider that this may happen in your community. I know you, I know you're fighting it and it's, to me it makes no sense that it would, ha- even, it would happen. But what's been the personal impact on you? Oh, well, as I said, I'm a very upbeat person. I'm not going to uh, despair and get me down because I think these things can be beaten. The thing is for us to get the message out, and I really feel that people, we'd have, we, we do have a, a good deal of support now, but to the wider community, when they find out the um, proposed uh projects and the, the possible scale of destruction, they just are bewildered. Why? Why would you allow something like this to go ahead? Such a short uh, term and a short gain um, for a lasting impact, lasting damage. Um, I mean, there's so much to lose. I mean, what what is at risk? Like, what is it that you love about the Liverpool Plains as a, as a place to grow food, as a place to live, as a place to be part of a community? Oh, all of that. Um, it, it, I don't know if you've visited, but it is, a, it is an extremely um, beautiful place. It, it's so varied. I mean, the feature of the Liverpool Plains are the sweeping plains and its spectacular skies and sunsets. But the thing with the plains is it is sort of punctuated by ridges throughout. So that adds to its beauty. You know, you have hills breaking up the plains. And, I mean, it's not been proven as such, but it's always thought that um, the aquifers actually draw a lot of their water down from these ridges as well. So where particularly they are doing wanting to, you know, mine for coal and gas is, is on these ridges and they say, oh, it's a country of no consequence, but it's not. It's very valuable and plays a great part in the whole um, ecosystem. I mean, you, you know, you talk about Dorothea McKellar and, you know, the, the homestead and, the, you know, that she's the inspiration for this national poetry competition. I mean, this is land that's really inspired poets and you know thinkers and and sayers isn't it yeah that's right (laughs) yes that's the contradiction I mean not a day goes by when we don't hear one or two lines from her famous poem quoted Um, it must be the most quoted um, piece of Australian poetry there is Um, and of course it's believed that you know she she wrote it or certainly drew a lot of the inspiration for that poem from the time spent at Currumbee, the Gunnedah property. So, and I can see that when she's writing in the, in that poem, you know, the lines that really do pertain to the Gunnedah landscape. She talks about the skies and this down to the river. Um, it really does encapsulate that landscape. It is a beautiful. It's a beautiful piece of New South Wales and, and, and a beautiful piece of Australia and anybody who's been there I think would agree. And, you know, we're very fortunate to to live there. And, you know, from a food sense, that food goes all around Australia as well. So um, certainly... Oh, most definitely. I mean, there are things grown on the Liverpool Plains that don't really grow in abundance anywhere else. There might be pockets of it, but... Um, 
you know, crops, phenomenal wheat, barley, oats, sorghum. I mean, and on most of the plains, they, they double crop. They can get two crops a year because so the soils are very rich and loose and um, volcanic. And uh, as I said, you have a safe rainfall and there is also the underground water. So, you know, you have some people who are irrigating as well. But even dryland cropping is... is is um, a, a highly productive industry. Now, you mentioned that grain and um, you've mentioned the CWA and that just does make me want to talk to you a little bit about scones. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what is the secret to a good scone, Pip? Oh, my goodness. I'm not a scone maker. I'm better at biscuits and slices. But oh, um, Slices well, are my obsession. Tell me about <laughs> your favourite slice. Oh, um, Oh, I don't know. I like things with lots of fruit in them. Ah, They stay moist, yes. I mean, I'm not a chocolate um, fiend like a lot of people. Uh, I like lots of good juicy dried fruit and things because that also, a moist slice like that keeps a lot longer. So that's the big secret. Um, scones. Well, CWA, I know I worked at the Royal Easter Show um, when we were serving scones and their recipe is, is different. A lot of people now make it with lemonade, but the traditional way is not with lemonade. You don't do it that way at all. It's just with the flour and water and um, they knead it up in these big bins and um, it's phenomenal actually the, the number of people who came through the show and, and wanting to taste the CWA scones it was and want to chat to you too. I mean it was a really nice link between city and country. Where are you from? Yes, we're from the city but we wouldn't miss the scones and you think, oh well, you haven't got enough time to talk to them about do you realise what's happening to the food bowl where the flower's coming from but <laughs> you feel like it. <laughs> Well, absolutely. And that's such a good point, Pip. I think, you know, it's easy in the cities and I'm in, you know, the big city of Melbourne. It's easy to lose that connection with where food comes from. But, you know, we all need it and we need to hear these stories because these um, these threats uh, impact us all. Um, and it shouldn't just be, you know, you there at the, you know, excuse me for saying coalface, but um, it shouldn't just be you fighting this battle. So, you know, really appreciate your time today and bringing it to wider attention um, and, yeah, continuing to fight the good fight. Oh, look, Danny, if you can help us by letting them know about the plight of somewhere like the Liverpool Plains, which is, as I said, is is – there's nothing like it. It's an unmatchable resource. It, it's so rich you could grow babies in it. Um, if we can get the word out there that the Liverpool Plains needs to be kept at all costs um, for food and water security for the whole of the country, that is an, a great achievement. Yeah, well, thanks for sharing with us today, Pip. Great to talk to you. Okay. Thanks, Danny. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you.